I've definitely learned to become more risk-taking throughout my career. And I never wanna say like everybody needs to be highly risk-taking all the time because that's not true. Having the capacity to ride highs and ride lows is really gonna enrich you as a human, which is going to make you a much better leader. It does not matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter what you've said to yourself. It doesn't matter what your fears are. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made. It doesn't matter where you are in your career. You haven't done it wrong and you're not broken in any way. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm back with part two of my conversation with Aaron Foley. If you haven't listened to the episode before this one, I strongly suggest it. Aaron Foley is an incredible mindset coach. And in my conversations with her, we dive deep into some of the mindset and inner challenges that many of us experience at work. And she shares some really helpful wisdom on how to move through some of the common challenges, like feeling afraid, not feeling confident, all of the things that I think so many of us face sometimes on a daily basis in our jobs. And today's conversation continues the magic and continues the helpfulness. And we talk quite a bit about the relationship between our thoughts and what's happening in our inner world, which is so huge and so important, and how that affects our behavior and how that affects what we project outwardly, what we say, what we do, how people experience and receive us in a professional environment. And this is so important because once we become aware of these things and once we begin to understand our own inner worlds, we can try to change some of the thinking that we have that is not working in our favor. And I find these conversations with Erin so invaluable in beginning to do that and beginning to cultivate the self-awareness awareness of where we're currently at so that we can figure out how we might want to pivot to get to where we want to be from a self-confidence and mindset point of view. We also talk about what might be one of my favorite topics and what I think is a really underrated topic when it comes to our professional lives, and that is taking risks and our relationship with risks and risk-taking. One of the reasons I was so excited to get into this is because I have experienced times in my career where my lack of self-confidence really showed up as avoiding risks, which is a shame because there are many of us, myself included, and I'm sure many of the women listening to this who have a lot of talent to offer the world. And when we don't step up and take risks and when we hide because we're afraid and when we hide because of things we think about ourselves that aren't even true, when we hide because of distorted thoughts that we have about ourselves, we are in a way cheating ourselves of the opportunities that we are already talented enough to go after. And as you can tell, this is something that I think is really, really important. And it was wonderful to get Aaron's expertise 
expertise and opinion on this. We also hit on career paths, and Erin shares her wisdom on how to process feelings of, oh my gosh, I'm behind, I'm not on the right path. And I know that's also a common challenge, so I'm excited for you to hear that. And I'm just generally really excited for this conversation. If you want to hear Erin's full story, go back one episode and start there. And there are also two additional episodes in the archives of season two, where you can hear more from her. And we hit on different things every time. So there's a lot of value to be gained from every single interview with Erin Foley. Even though this is my fourth episode with her, it will certainly not be the last. I hope you enjoy it. And let's get into the conversation. So we're going to get into a conversation about showing up bigger in our careers, which often involves taking risks. And taking risks is both really important and really scary. So I'm excited to get your thoughts on it and get your wisdom. Before we go into that, can you just walk us through how we should think about the relationship between the thoughts and what's happening in our minds versus all of the things that we do out in the world, our behaviors, our habits, our ways of speaking, our ways of presenting ourselves at work? Yes. So this kind of really draws upon in the coaching world, what we call the coaching model. So I think what's most helpful is for me to give you two examples here that I think will help the listeners to understand how the sort of thoughts that we're having, and even beliefs. I like to talk about them as beliefs because I think they're stronger. Like it's usually rooted in something that we're really kind of attached to. So if I'm in a job, this one comes up a lot for my clients. And I believe my boss thinks I'm stupid. And you can replace it with the word that it comes for you, the listener. Like sometimes it's incompetent. Sometimes it's inexperienced. Sometimes it's silly. Sometimes, you know, it's all kinds of different things. But for this situation, if I, Aaron, believe my boss thinks I'm stupid and I am having a conversation with my boss, the thought I'm having is that my boss thinks I'm stupid. And you always want to ask yourself, what is the feeling state that I get when I'm in that thought? So if I believe my boss thinks I'm stupid, how do I feel? And most of you are going to say anxious, frustrated, angry, annoyed. There's like a million different things, but they're usually on this side of the sort of spectrum, right? So if I'm standing there having a conversation with my boss and I'm in this belief that he thinks I'm stupid and I feel anxious and frustrated and angry and defensive, my actions will be influenced by how I'm feeling. So the way that they will be influenced tends to show up like you might be tentative, you might be defensive, you might be afraid to speak up, You might be over explaining things. It happens so quickly that you often do not realize when you're in it that this belief has made you feel a certain way and that you're then behaving in a certain way. So your awareness happens at different levels. And some of you are aware that you behaved awkwardly. Some of you are only aware that you feel like your boss thinks you're stupid. Some of you are only aware that you were anxious. Like people's awareness level can like hit at at different places in the model. And what becomes most helpful is after a situation, when you're not in it, because when you're in it, you're just sort of operating at default. After the situation, when you can pull apart what's happened, you will start to understand which beliefs or thoughts are driving behaviors that you don't want. So the other one I'm going to give you is, because this one's really common, is the thoughts you have about someone else. So here's a common one. My boss is an a-hole, okay? A lot of people have strong judgments about their boss or coworker. 
they're an ass or they're too harsh or they're whatever it is. Here's how we figure out if that is going to be a useful belief for you. As a coach, I'm going to look at how you feel when you're thinking that in a conversation. So here comes Sally and I think Sally's an a-hole and here we're having a conversation. My brain believes she's an a-hole and now I'm going to think about how do I feel? Maybe I feel defiant. Maybe I feel justified. Maybe it makes me feel angry. And when I'm in that feeling state, how am I going to behave? People tend to be closed off when they think somebody's an a-hole. People tend to be short. They tend to be defensive. They tend to be resistant to what's being said to them. And I don't care objectively if your boss is a good person or not. What I care about is if your belief is mucking up your behavior at work in a way that's not going to serve you. So the other thought I might have about the same person, right? Like maybe I think my boss is an a-hole, but you think my boss is socially awkward, not great at giving feedback. And that thought makes you feel neutral or even a little compassionate, right? Like you might even feel like, I feel bad. She's just socially awkward. And she's just like, you know, not great at feedback. So how you're going to behave then in that conversation with her is likely going to be different. You're probably going to be open. You might be a little bit more patient. You might look for the meaning between the lines because you know that she doesn't give feedback in a great way. And so that behavior is going to continuously serve you because you're going to be able to like sidestep that and not get sidetracked by it so much. And you're going to be able to move on and take what you can from the conversation and continue with your day. So it's It's kind of trippy when you first are learning how that works, but your beliefs really do have a direct impact on how you behave consciously and unconsciously. That's really, really helpful. And I know for me, it would also come out in really subtle ways that seemed totally innocuous and things that at the time I wasn't even aware that I was doing. So one example would be, maybe walking down the hallway and like trying to avoid eye contact or trying to not stop to have a conversation with someone or walking into a meeting room where a lot of people were going to have a meeting and like always taking whatever seat was like farthest in the back, like taking the worst seat in the house. And those weren't even things that I would have even said that I did. I was just doing them. And so it, it could... I, for me, it could be even as small as that. And it can be as big as um, having those emotions coursing through your body when you're having a challenging conversation with a coworker. I love that you said that because it can be so subtle. So this comes up, for example, let's say someone's negotiating for a raise. And when you are in a space where you like, maybe what's driving you is this belief that like, they don't pay me enough. And, but you're like anxious about whether or not you're worth what you're trying to get. And so you have like a scarcity mindset around it, right? And you start to negotiate. The nuances and how you'll negotiate from that space are so minimal that you probably won't notice it. But there's such a difference in a feeling state when someone's negotiating from a place of scarcity and from a place of abundance. If I'm negotiating from a place where I feel confident and secure And I'm not like resentful and angry at the company, but I'm just coming in like, I know that I'm worthy. I know that that I have value. Here's what I want. I can do it from a place that's more less personalized and more about the job. I will show up with these nuances that when you're observing 
are going to be harder to see. It's going to be in the tone of my voice. It's going to be in my reactions. It's going to be in the level that I'm speaking. Sometimes it's in our speed that we're saying something. It's why that we sometimes can pick up on an energy with someone that we can't articulate, but we can feel like the desperation or we can feel the frustration, but it's not because they literally said something frustrating. That's it. And so when your thoughts are, this company has screwed me over and they owe me a bunch more money, and then you go in and negotiate from that space, I know as a coach, you are not going to be negotiating from your most powerful space. There's going to be the feeling state of resentment that keeps driving your actions and your actions are not most powerful when you're in a space of resentment. Absolutely. Or in a space of really questioning whether you deserve that amount that you're asking for, which I'm sure is something a lot of people can relate to. And then when it comes to, okay, so we talked about the relationship between our thoughts and our behaviors. And the piece that I want to get into is changing our behaviors, because I think that there's so much value that can get created when we begin to do this. I want to first, before we talk about that, get back into a nuance of something that I was saying before, which is just avoiding risks and not even realizing that we're operating in our professional lives day to day in a way where we're kind of avoiding the things that we're scared of without realizing that we're doing it. Is that something that you have seen with your clients? Oh, yeah. So in general, I would describe myself as risk averse. Like I would say, you know, I'm not a person who loves roller coasters. I didn't want to jump out of an airplane. You know, there's just some people who definitely, I think, by nature, want more risk. I am not that person. I've definitely learned to become more risk-taking throughout my career. And I never want to say like everybody needs to be highly risk-taking all the time because that's not true. It's like, it's something that I think you want to slowly turn up. If you're listening to this and you're relating to this, you're probably not someone who's super high risk, right? And so you don't have to like turn up the dial from zero to 20 overnight. You're not going to be able to tolerate that risk and you're not going to be able to tolerate the consequences of the risk. We want to turn it up slowly. And what I care about as a coach is simply the things that you're looking at other people that they have that you're coveting that you want, but maybe you're not doing it because you're scared. That's how I know that's a risk that you're wanting to be taking. It's the stuff you deeply want to have, but you think the consequence of having it is too high or the risk of failure is too high. The risk avoidance is fear. I mean, 100%. It is fear of failure is behind 99% of the time why most of us are afraid to take the risk. And fear is such a potent experience, as you know, as everyone knows. It's one of the most challenging feelings to experience. And I also really like what you said about how you don't have to turn the dial up right away. And I think that this is so, so important because I think a lot of the times we, as professional women get the lean in message. And I know for me personally, and very closely connected to the mission of the show is the fact that everyone's leaning in will look different. And there's no leaning in that's too small. So for me, risk taking has looked like sitting at the chair in the meeting that has the most visibility. And that felt wild. I had to get myself into a space of like, I'm getting wild and I'm going in the front chair. And I had to like, actually really allow myself to celebrate that I did that. And 
I think that that's really important because otherwise we're going to get into a space where we're going to try to do something that we're not ready for and it's going to make us feel worse. And it's like, I just think that we need so much more room and so much more space to take risk in the smallest way as long as it feels like that next right step. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing ever. The big thing will come much, much later if you keep doing the little things. Yeah. And what's important about like the risk that you took, it's not the outcome of sitting in the chair. What was important about that is you learning that you can be uncomfortable and do something. That is where you get so empowered. Oh, I can be scared and do it and be okay. I can be uncomfortable and do it and be okay. I never care about the actual result I only care about the result that you're sitting in the chair, that you got the raise in so much as it serves the strengthening of you. That's it. Like, it doesn't matter to me if the outcome is that you're sitting closer in the meeting or the outcome is that you got a raise or the outcome is that you spoke up for the first time or you asked a question for the first time. All I care about from a coach perspective is that you're now able to see that your tolerance for uncomfortableness has just gone up. And that makes you feel more empowered because the the trick is that we think we're going to feel best when we arrive at a successful destination. That's what the brain tells you. Like if I got the promotion, I'd feel good and good enough and comfortable and happy. If I got the big job, if I got that role, if I got that project, that's not true. So the truth is what makes you feel good is feeling resilient and capable and able to handle things that are uncomfortable, believing you can go for things that you want. That's actually what feels most satisfying for people. So if I were to just like keep giving you successful destinations throughout your career, but you didn't have to build a muscle at all to get to it, you're not going to experience any real sense of satisfaction. What you're actually going to experience is more feelings of fragileness. You're going to think, I always have to be successful to feel okay. I can't handle failure. I can't handle risk-taking. That was me. Like For a long time in my career, I was doing these things, but I was doing them with such an intensity and such a cautiousness and such a perfectionism that my brain was like, I can't handle risks, uncomfortableness, or failure. And I became more and more and more fragile despite being successful. Now that I've like learned to be uncomfortable take these small calculated risks, survive failure, I actually feel resilient, which feels way better to me and is actually the state that I wanted to be in. And it doesn't matter the destination. I completely agree because I also think that there is so, so much pressure in the professional space to be polished and perfect and packaged. And I think that can really mess with us also because we think that there's less room for failure. And we think that, you know, we don't want to put our careers at risk by taking those risks and failing. But my opinion on that is if you're planning to up level in your career or you want to get to a place where you're going after something potentially bigger or not, but that's just something that I like to focus on on this show, having the capacity 
to ride highs and ride lows is really going to enrich you as a human, which is going to make you a much better leader. Because I think like when we experience those highs and those lows, it helps us release a lot of the fear. And that that it's like a cycle. It, It helps us be less afraid of failing again. And therefore, we approach each new thing with more willingness to try it, even if it seems difficult, and even more willingness to believe that we might be able to accomplish it. 100%. One of the things I love to tell people about risks, and I believe in taking calculated risks. I believe you think of the risk you want to take and why you want to take it, why it's worth it to you. So you don't just have to like willy-nilly risk take all over the place in your career. And I always tell people to ask yourself, what's the risk of doing it? And what's the risk of not doing it? And the second question is the one nobody ever wants to think about. Like your brain will naturally think of the risk of doing it, right? I'm going to be humiliated. Like people are going to think I'm stupid. I should never have sat in that chair at the meeting, whatever those risks are. And then when you ask yourself, what is the risk of not doing it? That's where a lot of people get to the answer that's really meaningful for them, which is like, well, I'll never be able to apply for the thing I want, or I'll never be able to be comfortable sitting in the front of the room, or I'll never be able to. And then all of a sudden they go, wow, I don't, that risk is way higher to me than the risk of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too, is like around the theme of this show, which is the art of speaking up came about from an experience that I had of constantly being quiet in meetings when I had something to add, because I was afraid of the risk of putting that out there and it not being good enough or not being smart enough. And as I became more vocal and became more comfortable, it wasn't that every time I shared something, it went over super well. There were times when I said something and there was like dead silence. And I was like, Oh, good God. God, like this is fantastic. But I still don't regret those times either because it's a whole package. I think you're either empowered in the situation to share the thing that's authentic to you in that moment and that you feel is your best possible contribution, or you're not. And you can't only have the good ones all of the time without having some that are just going in the wrong direction. And that's part of the learning process. And I think that that happens in all levels of our career. I don't I don't think that once people become leaders, they just magically never make mistakes again. Just look at business headlines. The mistakes are everywhere. And so I think that it's really important for people to understand that. I agree. I agree. And I love the example of you not speaking up because I know that if we had asked that old you, what is the risk of you never speaking up at a meeting? There would be so much that you weren't willing to take, right? You would be like, well, it would be advancement in my career, having what I want or feeling confident or contributing a good idea or getting comfortable having a failed idea, or there would have been so many risks for you in not speaking up. So the risks of not speaking up were definitely greater than the risks of speaking up. Yeah, for sure. It's just the feelings associated with those risks, like the feelings associated with the risk of doing it, aka fear, were just so strong. And it's to your point earlier, I hadn't learned how to be with fear. I had only learned how to avoid it. And so that's all I knew. So I often sometimes didn't even perceive things as choices, which is why I love how you talked about being empowered. Because once you recognize the fear, once you recognize you do have the choice to do something, even though it feels uncomfortable, all of a sudden, you now see all these decision points that you didn't see before, because you were just acting in a way that you thought that's just how this is. This is just how I act. I, I don't speak in these meetings. I'm the most junior person. I'm not sure. I just don't. And you don't even perceive that you you do have the option to take the risk and be uncomfortable. It is. And I used to like always want to bypass. My coach would be helping me to move towards bigger things in my business. And I really, really wanted to bypass the uncomfortableness. And like, I remember 
I was giving two keynotes at a college and I was going to ask for a full double pay. They were going to pay me for two full keynotes, despite like the travel and me being there and like giving them a deal and all this stuff. And it, and I wanted my coach to like get me out of the uncomfortableness. And I kept being like, no, I'm not ready to do it yet. Like, let's coach on this more. Let's coach on this more. And she was like, here's the deal. You're gonna feel like you're peeing your pants when you say this number. It's got, that's how you're gonna feel, Aaron. Like you're gonna feel your heart's gonna race and you're gonna get a heaviness in your chest and you're gonna feel like there's pee running down your leg and you're gonna be like, oh my God. And your brain's gonna start to trip out as soon as you say the number where they're gonna be like, who are you, blah, blah, blah. And it was so helpful because I was just like, okay, like that's how I'm going to feel when I say this. And I sent the email and I gave them the price point and blah, blah, blah. And of course, like they came back and nobody even flinched. Like it was not a big deal, despite me having like a full 48 hours of mind drama about the entire thing. But it was so powerful for me because I was like, oh, so like, I just have to know when I'm deciding to take these big, big leaps for me, that was a big leap. That's how it's going to feel. It's going to feel like the diving board. Oh my God, I'm really high. I'm about to jump. And your body has an adrenaline reaction to that. That's fearful. But at the bottom is a shiny you know, pile of water versus a bunch of alligators. If there's a bunch of alligators that I think are going to eat me alive, I might be doing something that's not really aligned for me. But if at the bottom of it, it's shiny water, but I'm terrified of the jump, then I know, okay, I'm willing to feel this uncomfortableness for this outcome, but I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And that has stuck with me. And I have can't tell you that every time I have negotiated up, I have felt that way. Also, though, the outcome is so much juicier when you were afraid. It usually is, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're just like, ooh, I did it versus like when you do the thing that wasn't scary at all and it turns out well. Right. It's true. It's, oh yeah, it's totally true. And like you, this, the, the sense of, it's so fascinating because we as humans tend to think that challenges aren't going to make us happy or make us feel good. But the truth is we feel best when we've overcome a challenge. It really is what makes you feel the most capable and it gives you the most sense of satisfaction. So we think we don't want to be challenged, but you really, from a human perspective, you do want to be challenged We don't want the challenges to be so big that they paralyze you. That's not productive. We want them to be just enough that they really push you. And then the satisfaction you get from that and the growth that you get from that is truly what leads to fulfillment for people. I agree. It's so core to the human experience. And I also think there's an element of like having an authentic wanting for the thing that's on the other side of the challenge. You know, that's the fuel. If you don't want it, then you're putting yourself in, in this potential in your brain harm's way for no real reason. Yeah, I agree. You've got to want that thing that's on the other side. Yeah. And then that kind of makes it all authentic to who you are. Because I know for me, a big piece of this that I'm constantly thinking about is authenticity. And I really don't like the school of thought that's just like, you know, just show up big, just do the thing, just be confident, just speak louder. I guess for me, when there isn't something of more substance behind it, it feels totally meaningless. It feels not sustainable. And I think if you truly feel connected with the reason why you're doing it in the first place, then I think it helps you tap into something inside you that kind of guides you to doing it in the way that's the most authentic to you. And it helps you find your genuine courage versus this like manufactured banging your hands on your chest kind of alpha courage. Not that like that's fine too, but I think courage just feels 
better when you feel like it really came from something that's so core to who you are that you tapped into in that moment? Yeah, you you really, I mean, I think it just boils down to like, you want to be connected to your why and you want to like your reasons. Why do I want to ask more money for this? Why do I want to have this promotion? Why do I want this career advancement? And is it aligned with my values? And do I like my why? And the crazy thing is, some of you, your why will be like, I just want to make more money. And like, people will feel bad about that. And like, that's allowed to be your reason, right? I just want to make more money. I just want to know if I can do it. Or I'm just super excited because I want this job or I want to, it's like, there is no wrong why, as long as you really feel compelled by your why and you like your reasons for doing it. Yeah. uh, And I think it's also just so important for us as women to own desire and own urge and wanting because it's, been repressed for so long that I think sometimes we either push it down more or we think that that alone is not enough of a reason or we're ashamed that we want it. And that's a whole other thing. Whereas like, if you're not comfortable with the fact that you even want something that makes it so hard to work through the process of figuring out how to build the courage to ask for it. Can you talk a little bit about the feeling of I'm behind in my career? Yes. Oh, this one like breaks my heart. I can't even tell you because I have carried this around so many different times and I see it in almost everybody that comes to me. And so I've talked a lot in this podcast about how the thoughts serve us or don't serve us, right? And this is one of those thoughts that I think we don't consciously create it, but a lot of times we think that it's serving us because we think like, if I'm just honest with myself that I'm behind in my career, then I'm going to work harder or I'm going to advance myself or I'm going to do the things I need to do. So first of all, that's not true, (laughs) right? That thought makes people feel terrible. It makes you feel like a failure. It makes you feel broken. And those feelings tend to create in us avoidance, buffering, procrastination, wanting to just bury our head in the sand and not look at things, a fear of taking risks. Like it just makes us feel crappy and it tends to not lead to productive actions. So I always tell people, first of all, from a logical perspective, the idea of what equals progress in your career is all made up. It's all made up. For example, clients who come to me, I have like someone who's 27 who will be like, I'm behind in my career because I just made a job change. And I should be making $100,000 a year. I'll have someone who's 50 be like, I'm behind in my career because I'm not the director yet. Like, it's so subjective, like what even makes people feel behind. It's like someone who's making $700,000 a year will tell me they're behind. And somebody who's, you know, it's just like, there is no, and this idea that like progress is equated with title or money advancement in the same career, or maybe you think it's it's changing careers six times, or it's all of that is made up. It's just shit that our culture decided was equated with progress in some way. And it's dependent on your family structure, like what you were taught growing up, the people around you. You could live in a culture that says your progress is 100% dependent on how many babies you have. You could live in a culture that tells you your progress is 100% tied to enlightenment. And, and like has nothing to do with money or career advancement. So it's made up, okay? And so the best thing to know is like feeling like you're behind and telling yourself you're behind. It's making you feel bad and it's also not motivating. 
so I, when I wrote this article, I like wanted, I tried on some thoughts. That's what I call it. Like thought trying on to find the one that I could offer to people. And I, I always want you to be creative and in, in like coming up with the ones that feel the best to you. For me, when I believe everything in my life is perfect timing, I feel so good and calm and focused and motivated. Despite the fact that some people will think like, oh, if I let go of it, I'm just going to like sit on my couch and eat potato chips the rest of my life and I'm never going to make any progress. <laughs> it's not true. Like when I'm thinking everything in my life is perfect timing, there is no behind. There is no ahead. Like it's all irrelevant. It's just me moving towards the things that I want. I am so excited then for where I am, which allows me to feel grateful. And I'm also excited for where I'm going. And it is much more motivating than really sit with the idea of I'm behind and tell me how motivated you feel. (laughs) So find a belief that is motivating and literally work on believing it. Look for evidence for it. Look for evidence that you're not behind. Challenge the thing that's causing all the suffering. So the belief that I'm behind in your career, it's causing all the suffering. What if that is 100% not true? And if you could find evidence that it's not true and rewrite it with something that feels better, you will actually behave in ways that move you towards what you want more. That's so helpful. And I think also sometimes when we're in a career situation that we're not enjoying and we're feeling like this urge to get out of it and we're falling behind, I know, at least in my experience, sometimes we can't see how that's going to serve us in the future. And that can sound like very eye-rolly and like, oh, come on, like I'm dealing with this crappy situation. It's not going to serve me. It's just crap. But I had an experience that was not fun at all professionally. And I was around someone then who had gone through something very similar. And I was able to be much more effective in helping that person because I had experienced the exact thing that they had experienced. And I don't think that I could have been as helpful if I didn't have the very intimate awareness of what it was like to experience that. And that was a time in my career where I felt super upset and disoriented. And I think it's just really difficult for us to see that. And this goes back to a point earlier about becoming a leader. When you have had these trials and these tribulations, they just make the depth of what you're able to offer from a leadership perspective so much richer because you know what the hard stuff is like too. And part of our challenges, even not as leader, just doing your job day to day is getting through the difficult things, the challenging things that come up in our work. And I think sometimes when we're kind of stuck in the mud, we forget that we're learning something of value and that we're probably becoming resilient because of it. But we really truly are. Truly are. I really believe everything is progress. Everything. There's no such thing. You just, you don't go backwards because you can't unlearn what you learn. You can't unexperience what you're experiencing. Everything is progress. Even if that job is there to show you what you don't like, what doesn't fit for you, what your preferences are not, then that's enough. That is enough progress for that to be progress. So that's the other thought that I love for people to really try on. What if you believed everything is progress? It doesn't mean you can't exit where you are, make changes, move on to something else. It just means that you recognize, I'm not going backwards in any way. That's not really an option. We don't do that as humans because we're constantly experiencing something new 
even if that newness is a challenge or a depression or a job that we hate, it's still progress. Yeah. And we have no idea what's coming in the future. So it's almost silly of us to think that we know better and that like if something's departing from the path that we have laid out in our head, it definitely for sure can't in any way be benefiting us or at least giving us wisdom that we're going to use at some point. Yes. And I just have to say, because I think this is also super helpful, just bouncing off what you just said, that the path that we have that we see in front of us, I think it's great to know where you want to go, but I always tell people to hold it loosely because you want to be able to go where it's feeling right and making sense for you and your life and your career. And part of what will release that feeling of I'm behind or I'm not is to know like, I'm going to look forward in my future and I'm going to be open to the path that's opening up in front of me instead of feeling like you have to squeeze it and measure yourself in some really rigid way against every single quote unquote milestone that's made up. Right. Yeah. And it just makes everything so stressful. Yes. It makes everything stressful and you can miss opportunities that are in front of you when you're squeezing so tight. I agree. You might miss something that you're really passionate about because you're so focused. Like you have this story around this other thing that you need to attain. Yes. Agreed. It makes so much sense. I think that this is a real challenge though. And I think just career paths and feeling fulfilled and kind of finding peace in the way that it's unfolding is a difficult one, especially for people who have a naturally ambitious drive, who are the types of people who are wanting to better themselves and grow. Yes. It is. But when you can get to a space of having fun with it and loosening it a little bit, that ambition can be so fun. Yes, that's true. And that's like you see those people and they're just like having fun. And I'm just like, oh, that looks way easier, way better. You're not freaking out. How can I be more like you? Right. And the only real difference is is that the thoughts that are driving their feeling state is just slightly different. Yeah. It's so it's so fascinating because all of the stuff is invisible. The it's making us experience life. Like you can't see any of it. We're just we're experiencing it. It's bizarro. I know. It is bizarre. <laughs> it's so weird. All right. Can you share your best advice that someone should be thinking about to help them feel more confident and at ease in their career over a one year, a one month, and a one week time frame? So we'll start with one week. What's something that someone can do this week to feel more confident and at ease in their career? There's a couple of things. One, I want you to get clear on your why. Whatever it is that you're looking, that you want to get confident moving towards, why? And that has to be the start. Why do you want to do this? Why is it important to you? Why do you care about it? If your answer is so that I feel good enough, I want you to halt the brakes. <laughs> like, I want you to stop in your tracks and work on disconnecting the good enough feeling from career advancement, because that's not going to work. It's not going to make you feel good enough. You as a human are already valuable and already good enough right now. And it's a hundred percent essential that you understand that because nothing outside of you is going to make you feel that. If you like your why you're connected to your why. I'm excited about this opportunity. I want to move up. I want to make more money. I want to see how far I can push myself in my career, whatever it is. Like, I don't care what the why is. I want you to like your why. Then I think there's a kind of a couple things that I want you to think about. One is that your first job is always to create massive value in the role that you're currently in. And I think it's like, that sounds so crazy, but I think it's really important that we remember that. 
Create massive value in the role that you're in that will always increase your ability to advance because you show people that you have massive value. You show up well for your job. You show them the value you can bring to what you're doing, which gives you more opportunities to move in different directions. Then I think it's important to make decisions based on your future self. So picture yourself where you want to be. Think about yourself being already in that new role or in that new space. And ask yourself, what did you believe that got you there? And it's so fascinating because when you jump there, a lot of people are like, oh, wow. When I really picture myself in that new role, in that advanced space, in that raise, in that, I can start to really identify like, well, I believed change is possible for me. I believed you'll identify the beliefs that you really need to be working on in order to make that progress. It will show you where you're not believing, and it'll show you where you need to believe. And then when you're working through your week and your month and your year, you're looking at your future self and you're literally comparing where you are and where you're going and how the things that you're doing are serving you and getting you where you want to go. The reason I don't say specifically whether that's week, month, or year is because I think it depends on like where you are in this process of setting these goals and moving towards that. If you're newer to doing that, it helps to not go too far out because it becomes really disorienting and it can become really overwhelming. So like I'm not at the phase that some of my million dollar business owners are at where they, they plan everything out three years in advance and they're working backwards from three years and they're doing mindset work for three years. Like that's not where I am in my business. I'm working out six months to a year. So I'm thinking about where I want to be six months from now or a year from now. And I'm looking at the beliefs that are going to get me there And each day I'm making decisions and doing tasks that help serve me and where it is that I'm going. So helpful. And before we get into the closing questions, can you tell everyone where they can get in touch with you? Yes. So you can find me at Erin M as in mindset, which you might've heard me say is a recent discovery for me, Erin M as in mindset, Foley.com, Erin M Foley.com hop over there. I've got great free resources for you, career content, blog articles, free trainings on getting out of insecurities, all of that. Also, it gives you information on coaching with me, working one-on-one, hopping into a free consultation. Perfect. And now for the closing questions, you're going to get one that everyone gets and you're going to get one new one since you're a returning guest. So the new one is about this theme that I like to call tiny moments. And it's this idea that A lot of times we have these big, broad, sweeping goals for ourselves. Like I want to be confident or I want to change the way I feel in my career. I want to experience this transformation. But then a lot of the actual change happens in these really short instances. And they're often much less glamorous than the grand vision or the goal itself. So I love to ask every guest, although you're the first one, I love, I'm loving (laughs) to begin asking every guest to share either a tiny moment that they themselves have experienced or experienced with a client just to help give someone else perspective on how that might show up in their jobs. Yeah, I think for me, the tiny moments are always when I do the thing that I'm uncomfortable with. So like the first time I started saying I'm a life coach. And I wanted to throw up all over myself. And I had so much muck around being a life coach and so much judgment and so much fear and so much feelings of, oh, I'm behind because I'm not a professor anymore. And like, I should have just continued to advance in that space and like all this stuff. 
And I remember just being like saying it. And the first time I like said it and believed it and felt calm about it and being like, wow, feeling like I had made this like monumental shift, even though it was the tiniest thing. It was literally just a sentence. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a life coach. Oh, cool. What does that mean? It's the tiniest things that when I'm afraid of them and I make them into something big and then I do it, I absolutely changed my relationship with myself and like my ability to be uncomfortable and my ability to like go after the things that I want. I love so much that you shared that because there's such a parallel that I think many women listening have experienced or will experience, which is getting asked, so tell me about yourself and what you do. And I think the space between when that question gets asked and like when you begin to speak, it can be a very vulnerable, tender ever transforming space. So I love the one you shared. Very. I made it my goal not to just say it, you all, but uh, to say it and get comfortable in that choice. And that shift, I didn't feel it the first time I said it or the second time I said it or the third time I said it, but eventually I felt the shift. And that's when I knew like, oh, wow, that's monumental. Yeah. And also you're allowed to give yourself permission to imagine what it could feel like to be comfortable, even if you're feeling deeply uncomfortable, like you're allowed to play in that space. Totally. I love that so much. And for the final question, which you will get asked again, because I love this question. Um, This was inspired by the inspiration for the show, which was a difficult time in my career where I was struggling and I didn't have any mentors and I really needed someone to help me see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I always give this last space to the guest to speak to anyone out there who is listening, who is feeling that way. I think I want to say something that the listeners have probably heard me say a couple of times. You are not broken. Your fears are a very normal human reaction. Your behaviors are a normal human reaction. Your decisions that you've made throughout your career are a normal human reaction. What we're doing when we're moving through life is just trying to feel good. We want to avoid fear. We want to increase our pleasure and our sense of comfort. And so we make decisions based off of that. So I want you to know that it does not matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter what you've said to yourself. It doesn't matter what your fears are. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made. It doesn't matter where you are in your career. You haven't done it wrong and you're not broken in any way. You are literally just moving through life as a human trying to feel good. There is no shame in the way you've done it. All I want you to do is think about, do I like where I am? Do I want to shift it? The only reason we dive into your fears or your beliefs and work on shifting them is because you have a desire to change the results. And if you do, it's fine. If you want to feel less fear, you can work on that. If you want to take more risks, you can work on that. If you want to do something different, you can work on that. But like, give yourself permission to just decide that today. You, don't ha- you didn't have to have decided it last week or last year. Any decision that you made is the right decision. It doesn't matter what it was. You made it based on the information you knew at the time. It made sense to you. It made sense to your human brain. And there is zero shame in the decisions that you've made. I loved that. Thank you so much, Erin. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Erin. 
she's amazing, right? I feel like everything she says is so applicable and so helpful. And I so, so, so appreciate how she has come to the conversations with me with solutions and with really deep thinking. And she she really cares about me and this show and all of you. And so I wanted to just express the gratitude that I have for her. Thank you, Erin. Thank you so, so, so much. It was wonderful to have you on. I will link her information below if you're thinking of reaching out to her. I've done coaching with her. She's fantastic. She is made to do this work. And I'm so thankful to have connected with her as part of this show. So thank you, Erin. You've helped me. You've helped a lot of women who listen to this show. We appreciate you and we adore you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the show. Please feel free to reach out to me. It really makes my day when I hear from you. And you can find me via email. My email is jessica at theartofspeakingup.com. I have an Instagram. It's called theartofspeakingup.com. I've been trying to not go on Instagram, but if I get a message, I always go on to read it and chat with you. So please feel free to reach out to me. If you're enjoying the show, if you've been listening for a while and getting value out of the show, consider hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review for the show. I appreciate those reviews so much and they help other people see when they discover the show that it's relevant and useful and helpful. So it helps achieve the mission of supporting professional women and helping other women rise because I want all of us to rise together. And with that, I hope that you are doing well. I hope you're experiencing your own journey of rising professionally. And I'm glad that you're here. And I'm really grateful to have you as a listener of the show. So thank you. With that, I'm going to hop off. I hope you have a wonderful day. And I'll catch you in a couple of weeks for another conversation. Bye for now.